Hey, Phil. Hey, Senda. You want to talk about my character and legacy weapon because they're super duper cool. We need to talk about them. Yeah, I do. Let's do it. Yes. (laughs) Cue music. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I'm your other host, Senda. And for tonight's topic, we are going to continue from last week. And tonight, we're going to introduce my awesome character. And we're going to create the legacy weapon. Dun, dun, dun. But first, we're going to answer one of your questions. So Stephen asked us via email, I'm writing to suggest an episode about modifying standard party RPG games to better play with just two people, player plus GM. Great question. And extremely relevant for this evening and our little twist that we're going with right now. So, Phil, what are some of the challenges of modifying standard party RPGs to play better one-on-one? I know, really, we could not have sat on that question longer for better. Right? Right? Thanks, Brilliant. Stephen. Yeah. I really okay. worked out. <laughs> uh, let's do a couple quick definitions. First one is party, a group of characters who work together towards a common goal. The adventure partying being the most notable example, but other examples like what what, what else, Senda? Um, well, you got like the crew in Blades in the Dark, right? Which is your like your dudes in your. I haven't played this game. You should say this part. Well, they're criminals, <laughs> and crew is sometimes a you know reference to a group of criminals. So a crew, right? Um, and then you could also have like the crew of a ship. Yeah, absolutely. Right, in Scum and Villainy, so that would work like the same way, except that you're the crew of a ship. Right. Um, Or you could have like a group of runners in Shadowrun. Yeah. Right, because you have specific needs that need to be filled to be successful at doing heists, right? Right, your street samurai, you got your, you know, combat mage, you got your rigger, you got your decker, all of those things. I don't think of the right thing when you say rigger. Anyway. Niche is a comfortable... Um, or suitable position in life or employment. So in game terms, this is the job, the role that your character performs for the group. Right. So in games that have classes, that's usually when you think of like, what is your class? So like, if you're the thief, then you perform the sneaky things. And if you're the bard, then you're a face. Um, And that is the role that you perform in the party, because those are the numbers you have that are really good. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, last definition is the one-on-one game. The de- our, uh, our question from Steven kind of covered this, but just to be clear, a one-on-one game is a game that has uh, one GM and one player character. Right? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> just like this. Okay. So the main challenge, which goes back to Steven's question, the main challenge is when you take a standard party game and make it a one-on-one game is that you lose access to all the other niches that the other players who are supposed to be in the game would fill. Right? So um, if you, for our for a one-on-one game, pick fighter in a standard fantasy kind of game like, like D&D, then your fighter doesn't have access to magic, to thieves skills, to healing, to bardic lore, etc. Right? And so this means that your character is going to have some problems dealing with any of the, quote, typical encounters. So, like, if you were to do a one-on-one game and use 
a published adventure, you would be at a serious disadvantage because published adventures are written, and, and this is true, especially for Watsy adventures. Watsy adventures are always written assuming that there is a fighter, thief, wizard, cleric. Yep. And that if you don't have one of those, your mileage may vary. Right? Right. So if you are going to take a standard party game and reduce it to one-on-one, you need to do something to align the challenges in the adventure to what the character can do. Okay. And so um, there's a couple different ways um, that you could do this. Yeah. Um, And it kind of just depends on which side you want to make the adjustment, right? So the first one is you could modify the encounters that this player is going to actually face, right? So that they are all things that can be handled by the skills and abilities of this actual character or character class or however that falls out, right? Uh So everything could just be a, everything could just be a fight. Right. You're a fighter. Everything is a fight. There are no negotiations here. Yep. Yep. Um, or the other one is to give the character access to more of those other skills and abilities, right? Which, yeah. Sorry. No, good. Right, which just means that they get to be maybe a little bit overpowered as an individual character, but it's okay because they're the only one in the game. They have to kind of be able to fill in some of the gaps themselves, right? Absolutely. So there's a couple different ways we can do this. So uh, what's one way we can do this? Uh, multi-classing. Yeah. So, the, but it's, it can get really complicated, right? But you can multi-class into like, so you could be the fighter, the thief and the wizard all together. You have to have at least three levels to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to, if you're going to do multi-classing, it, it's, you know, you're never going to be like a first level uh, character, right? You'll right. always be some, you'll have to be based on the multi-classing some, you know, higher than first level character, which may be fine, right? Like you might start your game at sixth level and just go two, two, and two. Right. Or yeah. you could adjust, you could be like, I want one level of this, two levels of this, and three levels of that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, the other one is that you could find a special class. So um, I'm pretty sure there's a D&D variant of this, and there is, I believe, a Dungeon World variant of this as well, of uh, something that's like the Adventurer class, which is kind of a more rounded uh, class that has some of these other abilities tucked into it, and it is designed for that one-on-one for that one-on-one play like you really wouldn't put the adventurer into a party because it's going to kind of clash with some of the niches that the other party members have yeah because it's a jack-of-all-trades kind of deal Mm-hmm. what else you can also throw in npcs to kind of fill some of those gaps right so hirelings henchmen animal companions gotta love a good animal companion i love animal companions etc Basically, yeah. you know, you can throw in stuff. People. Uh, familiar. Familiars. Um, that would pretty much be animal companion. Yeah, if you're playing uh if you're playing some if you're playing something sci-fi like a droid, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Because R2 D2 R2 D2 basically rounds out like a solo party. Yeah, but again, basically an animal companion. Uh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Just saying. No, exactly. Uh, and the last thing you could do is you could supplement your character with magic items, which, when we talk about magic items, brings us directly to uh, our one of our main topics for our actual play tonight, which is the legacy weapon. Uh, which is great. It's like we planned it. So for the game that we are playing, we're going to use the legacy weapon, the game, and then the 
artifact, right, that is a legacy weapon. So it is a magical artifact that contains in it the abilities of its previous wielders, which the current wielder can then access. And that's part of what makes this cool. So we're going to get into our play for tonight, and we're going to find out more about the weapon itself and then the wielder that we're going to start with, the current wielder. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like we need like special music to enter into the actual play or something. Oh, well, don't no, go crazy. Go find something. <laughs> don't go crazy, but if you can find a little something, that'd be awesome. All right, so cool. So in our previous actual play, we did our session zero, right? So we established kind of what we were going to play, and we talked about our tone, our subject matter, our aim, and all of that. And so tonight, we're going to talk about like what would happen right after session zero, which is character creation. Now, for the sake of this show, because it's already twenty four minutes in, and we're not going <laughs> like a we're not going like an hour and a half on this show. No, you have already made your character. And I, I like I was in communication with you while you were making it. Yep. Um, but we're going to review your character yep. uh, for the listeners so <laughs> that when we pick up our next session, uh, our next episode, we'll start in on our actual our actual adventure. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So cool. So since our campaign focuses on the legacy weapon and it traveling between from one wielder to another i want to start with the legacy weapon and then we'll talk about the character who wields it now yeah or who will be wielding it because wielding it yeah yeah, because you actually won't start with it right yeah all right so cool what kind of weapon what weapon type is the legacy weapon well okay so before we jump into this like how much backstory do we want to give on the legacy weapon itself Sure. So we should probably like we have some narrative stuff that we came up with, right? Because we right. were ta- as we were building the legacy weapon, you pinged me and asked me a bunch of questions, and then we kind of whipped up some, I think, some pretty cool mythology. Yeah, right? me too. Well, so that's that that kind of okay. fluff. I think is important here as well. Yep. So quick. To so just quick, run down. Yeah. Yep. So quick sidebar. When we talked about our world, we talked about the previous age, the age of the dead gods, right? The reign of the dead gods. Yes. And the dead gods is a little sidebar thing is a thing that got created in my in Sneezak's Dungeon World game, the game I was a player in. And it's kind of a thing that Chris and I keep alive. Uh, we use it. We use it often in uh, Swords Without Master. Chris has used it a number of times in other Dungeon World campaigns and adventures he's run. Uh, but our our pantheon of dead gods are these immortal beings, and they're all basically terrible. Yeah. Um, Yep. There's no right. There's no paylor. There's no happy gods. Like each one of these gods. Like what did what did we say? The bar is like at like at true neutral on down. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like it doesn't get better than neutral. Yeah. Okay. If you're really lucky. Okay. So let's start with um, our legacy weapon was created by one of these gods. Right. Right. So yeah. our weapon was created by Morales, who is the forger of dark destinies. So imagery that we usually see or that we envision of this particular goddess is that she is in her forge, which is, you know, sort of lit by the fires of the forge itself. Everything else is pretty dark. She, I don't know if we ever described her exactly, but I've always envisioned her as, I don't know, like sort of 
a little bit hard to focus on so that she's basically shifting between sort of multiple feminine shapes um, at any given moment. But she's basically constantly working in her forge and she's pounding the shape of destinies together into this intricate wrought ironwork as she goes. Yes. Um, And there is generally a raven sitting on her shoulder. Yes, observing. observing. And the raven is kind of her, the raven is kind of her symbol. Yeah. Um, and in this, in, in our world, um, the raven is a sign of bad omens. That yeah. because Morales is the forger of dark fates, the appearance of ravens means that some sort of dark fate or dark destiny is falling over the area. So um, we know that ravens are, um, are not, are not um, they're not welcomed, but you also can't sh- you also can't shoot them off or attack them because mm-hmm. one does not want to tempt um, dark destinies. Yep. Yeah. You okay. Don't, you don't want to bring her wrath down on you. Exactly. Um, fantastic. Okay. That that that's what I kind of thought we wanted to maybe throw out there mm-hmm. because I think some of the things about the rest of the weapon will make more sense. I, yeah. I think now. So with that in mind, that was the theme that you used to build the rest of the weapon, right? right? Exactly. Okay. Yes. Cool. That's what All I'm right. going for. So, what kind of weapon is it? So, it is a rapier. It's a rapier because I really like rapiers visually. Yeah, you do. I know. It's just a thing. But so four foot, four foot tall, four foot tall redheaded <laughs> girls with rapiers is kind of your shtick. Well, you said I could only play one short redhead, so I'm going to get a rapier for the whole game. There you go. Um, so this rapier was, um, it was actually hammered from a single piece of metal continuously. Um, and the basket of the actual rapier is basically these metal raven feathers wrapped mm-hmm. around it um, and then set into that pommel right there is is the eye of like a raven and it's just this black gem it's not faceted or anything it's just round like a raven's eye and it just sits there um, and it's very reflective yeah, and actually that I when when we described it, I liked it so much that I'm actually going to make that into a separate magic item. Right, which um, is why I called it out. <laughs> yeah, so it's gonna be it's gonna be called the Raven's Eye, and when we get into playing, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But it's going to basically modify it's gonna modify discern realities move by adding some by adding some questions that are thematically appropriate uh, based on uh, based on our god. Yep. Okay. Cool. So the weapon type is rapier, um, and then because it's a technically a sword, did you pick what labels it gets? Yeah, I well, it was it's close, right? Because it's a sword, um, sure. and then the other label that I picked was precise because that's yep. rapiers, right? Yep, which lets you use your dex instead of um, strength for when you roll. Right. Yep. Excellent. That makes perf- makes perfect sense. Right. What does this weapon have respect for? This weapon. So this was actually a really, really hard one for me because I was trying to figure out like what is the what is the goddess of dark destiny's respect that she would embed into this weapon. So I went with resilience, which is based on constitution. Okay. Because it seemed like I don't know. I actually had a really hard time deciding. <laughs> No, it, I mean, I think it's fine. I don't. Th- I don't think there's a wrong answer. And and for people who aren't familiar with the legacy weapon, what the weapon respects, it, it can be any one of the six attributes for the um, 
for the character. Like, for instance, it could be wisdom. So I will tell you honestly, I was thinking about wisdom because that made lots of sense thematically. I also then immediately thought from a min-maxing perspective that I'm probably never going to play a character with a very high wisdom and I want to make sure that I can use this weapon otherwise. I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'm fine with constitution. Um, and then what it means in terms of game mechanics is that there are a couple moves for when you want to access. There's a move for when you want to access the abilities of the sword. And when you roll that, you roll with whatever stat the weapon respects. So in this case, it's constitution. Okay. I mean, I still could end up with a character or two who have shite constitution. That's totally possible, but I'll like. Well, you won't, won't because be you always get them. to pick. You won't because you always get to pick the stat line. I know, but I might pick it. Not. Oh, okay. Well, that's fine. <laughs> we'll see All right. What cool. Okay. Um, what is the minor ability? So the weapon always has a minor ability that it performs. Right. So this is where that whole Raven thing came from because I really got attached to the minor ability, which. Um, the minor ability can summon a flock of ravens to your area. And I was like, that's super cool. And I feel like I want to tie it back now, you know, to embed it in all of some of the lore that we'd been talking about. So that's how we got into all of the raven stuff. But that is my my minor ability. I love it. I yeah. love it. It's awesome. All right. What does this weapon crave? And so before you say what it is, let me explain in the game. When you want to access the abilities from the sword the from the legacy weapon the legacy weapon demands that you give it something and you once you have provided it what it craves yeah you make a roll and then you basically get like one hold like one charge that you can access any of the previous users so what is the craving of this sword so I didn't I didn't pick one of yours. Um, I picked something that I... Uh, There's an option at the end to pick something yep, else. Pick another craving. So I put down a tribute to Morales. So what is that tribute? I don't remember. I didn't write it down. That's terrible. Okay, that's your homework because, <laughs> um, because you're not going to be able to use the weapon unless you Until know how to provide a tribute. Yeah. Right. And that's why you don't want to pick anything too obscure. Right. Because if it's too obscure, it'll be too hard to access the move that gets you the the hold, which lets you use the abilities. So yeah. um, some of the other ones that are in the legacy weapon include things like um, uh, a fresh kill, some of your own vitality, as in you take like a couple hit points of damage, to be heated in a fire, to, be, um, to have water run over it, those kinds of things. Like there's a list of them, but there's an option at the bottom of the list to make up your own. So yeah. So I'll okay. figure out. So as your GM, as your yeah. GM, I'm going to tell you that a tribute is fine, but you have not defined what the tribute is. So you need to define that before next session. Okay. Yes. GM. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I'm telling you because I can already see what the problem is when we go to play. Yeah, no, no, it's fair. I, I do need to define it. And it might just be something as easy as, um, you know, I call it a tribute, but we just make it vitality because constitution is what it respects anyway. Oh, it's possible. You may or may not want to injure yourself, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't. Okay, so I will, so I will think that. That is our homework. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. And again, this is why we kind of, again, if we're, so if we're talking about this as an analog to actually running other games, we've done our session zero, right? We're now at our, we're doing basically our 0.5, right? Character creation. Uh, And this is a good part to make sure that we don't have any problems that are going to arise in play, right? And this would definitely have been a problem. Yeah. 
Cool. Okay, okay good. Cool. Um, and now the last part is there have been previous owners of the weapon. Yes. Um, and because we're doing this as an AP on a show, I wanted it to be a little more exciting. So I basically modified the rule and told you that usually you roll a 1d4 for previous owners. And I told you it just couldn't be less than three. Right. right? So it was going to be three one. or four. Right. I rolled a one. So we got three. <laughs> good. So um, tell me about the first previous wielder. Okay, so the first previous wielder was uh, Alandra, and she was a cleric. I think she was probably a cleric of Morales, mm-hmm. is is kind of where I was going with I that like one. That. And it would make yep. sense that she would have been the first wielder if she was yep. like um, the first one. Um, oh, so we, we talked about this a little bit, and we've kind of decided that these people are going to be called Morales as strikers. Uh, yes, we right. wanted a name for what an agent of Morales would be. And in a quick check of blacksmithing terms, the striker is a person where the striker helps a blacksmith uh, move metal by wielding a really heavy hammer. And so the blacksmith will, for instance, uh, put the metal on the anvil and strike it with a small hammer and then pull back and the striker will then drop the big hammer on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Really and and that, that metaphor wound up being really good. Like the idea that that Morales kind of tap, 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 and then the striker comes in and boom, makes the big hit. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we're starting with a cleric. Yep. Um, she was the first one. Do you want the moves also? So, yeah. So so there's a move that the cleric in like bestows upon the weapon. And in this case, it's cast a spell. So um, that makes, if you use that move from the weapon, that makes light, cure light wounds and sanctuary accessible. Yep. Right? So you can actually, and you can actually, you actually use the cleric's move. Yes. For that. Yep. Cool. Okay. Who is our, and now we're not going to tell you too much else about the character because when we get into playing, when you access those abilities, you have to tell a story about the character. Yeah. So those are going to, we're going to find out more about the backstories of these characters later on in play. Yes. So who is our second wielder? Right. Our second wielder was Panastra, and she was an immolator. And the move that she's given the blade is give me fuel, give me fire. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Which should be good. <laughs> yeah. And, and for people who are familiar with um, Dungeon World, I did not pick the one that creates a fiery weapon because, well, we already I have, have a weapon. weapon. That's right. the whole so, point. <laughs> yep. This is the one that lets you um, view somebody and see what their uh, burning desires are. Yeah, that's cool. Which I thought was a cool, which I thought was a cool ability. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And who is our third wielder? Our third wielder is Luca. And she was a thief. And uh, the move that she gave the blade is Tricks of the Trade. Mm-hmm. So Tricks of the Trade give you, it doesn't give you trap disarming, but it gives you like pickpocket pick yeah. locks good things those kinds of things yep yep so good very useful have. so very you can cast some skills. you can cast some um some divine spells mm-hmm. you have a little more social ability in terms of give me fuel give me fire and you have some a uh, bit of thievery yeah now with if that i can use them <laughs> right so with that the weapon itself is cast forward in time and tell me about the character who is going to become the fourth wielder. Yep. So um, her name is Anadara Blackwing. She is a lawful paladin. Her quest is to find a criminal. And in doing that, she gets two boons, an unwavering sense of direction 
and senses that pierce lies. And she is forbidden from using cowardly tactics and tricks, or she will lose mm-hmm. those two boons, right? Yep. Yay, she's human. Um, and she is uh, rather pale, pretty wiry, bald. Ooh, nice. And um, she she kind of wears she wears kind of like robes that are sort of flowy, and then like I don't know a little bit clerical, but also very like comfort and move, almost monk like. But she's a paladin. I got uh, I got some ideas. I'm going to show you. Uh, I'm going to show you a picture that's um, way beefier than what you're talking about, but pretty close. Um, the um, Burning Empires novels has this warrior priest. Yeah, I'll show you some. I'll show you some artwork later because there's a couple of different um, outfits right, that kind of go along that. With that. Yeah, yeah, they go they go along those exact same lines that are like kind of like like military, but military ish, but more clerical that kind of thing. Yeah, cool, cool. All right, and what's your? Uh, oh, we talked about your starting move, right? Uh, yes, which is my quest. Yep. Cool. Yep. And we're not going to talk too much about the criminal that you're uh, chasing down because that is going to be the opening of our adventure. And when we have moved from talking about your character to talking about the adventure, it is clearly time for us to wrap up, move on. And uh, in our next episode, we will start the adventure. Yup. So before we close out the show, Senda, tell me about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Sure. On Zhang Hu Hustle, you can train alongside fellow students Eric Farmer and Eli Kurtz. Eric and Eli make their kung fu stronger by watching wuxia films, then discussing how to apply their observations to game design. Kind of cool. Even if one of them is like one of those stinking raccoons. (laughs) Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, Say, Senda, where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the misdirected Mark Google Plus community for however much longer it's there. Wah, wah. It'll be there for a while. It'll be there for a little while. Um, and you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they find us in one of those places, what can they do with that information? You can, as always, send us topics for us to talk about. We'll be doing this for a little while. We'll be going back and forth from this, and then occasionally we'll do like a regular show, occasionally we'll do a grab bag show. So don't be shy. Send us topics, things you'd like us to talk about. And as you're listening to our AP, if you wind up with questions, by all means, send those questions along to us because we'll answer them before we start playing at the beginning of every show. Yep. Uh, Senda, what's the other thing people can do with our social media information? Well, you can send us your table selfies so the next time you are sitting down to play a cool game like this, take a picture of you and those awesome peeps or peep and hashtag a table selfie and drop it on the social media of your choice. I find them easiest on Twitter, but I will look everywhere. It's just the permission stuff. Mm-hmm. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get all sorts of goodies, access to our Slack Room for Life, various things that Encoded Designs publishes, the bonus show notes. Uh, we'll even at some point make the character sheets and the legacy weapon sheet available 
for people to see, yep. um, for patrons to see. So that, that'll be coming at some point. And um, all sorts of other stuff that we kind of put together along the way. Um, access to the bonus outtakes and uh, the after show from Misdirected Mark as well. Uh, we also like to shout out to some of our patrons. We're going to shout out to a few tonight. Um, starting with Schmitty, the Keeper of the Labyrinth. They are fantastic. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you left me this one that I don't know if I'll say it right. Avi Waxberg, thank you so very much. One of our um, fine listeners from Down Under and a frequent, uh, frequent we, not only frequent uh, listener we, to the Mr. Uh, Mark, we, yeah. um, but also pops into uh, the chat room for life. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and the next one we debated about for a while. So we're gonna say it. it we're gonna say it both American and French <laughs> because we don't know which one it is. On the American side, it's Jean Lorber, thank you. And on the French side, we think it might be Jean Lobert. <laughs> Thanks, Jean. Or Jean. Whichever one you are. Um, you should probably <laughs> let us know. Right, you're awesome either way. Drop us a note. <laughs> yes. Say, Senda, what's the other thing people can do um, besides back the Patreon campaign that makes us uh, happy, happy pandas that like to roll down hills into uh, into bamboo, f- into uh, big bamboo fields? <laughs> bamboo fields forever. <laughs> Aw. I bet uh, they would like that. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. If they do reviews, if you leave it somewhere else, let us know because we would love to see it. Um, Every new review that you guys leave us really actually does help new people find the show. It's pretty fantastic. It pushes us up the ratings and stuff so we show up higher. And we're super duper grateful. And they all make us super duper giddy and happy. Like really, really giddy. So... Um, also, if you want to drop us some feedback on Twitter, we hope you're enjoying our new format. Uh, let us know what you think. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Say, Phil, show me how our adventure begins. Yeah, well, I think we start in, I think we start with an open sky and a raven flying overhead and kind of swooping down. This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Click, click. And we're rolling. <laughs> Previously on Pandas Talking Bags, we ordered we ordered bags. You're right. I don't think we've talked about no, our bags. Did we talk about? We our bags? talked about them, but we had only ordered them because yours was coming Wednesday, mine was coming Friday. Oh right, that's the one that came out today. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to talk about bags first? Do you want me to p- talk about bags? Uh, first? ladies first. And besides that, your bag arrived first. <laughs> Tell me about your bag. Like, but you said ladies first in a way that makes me go, ladies first, ladies first. And so she was. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I got, so I got, I got a bag. I got a backpack, an awesome backpack. It is the Slim Jim Junior, Slim Junior, Slim Junior. It's the Slim Junior e-bag. Mm-hmm. 
And it's phenomenal. It is exactly the right size for what I need. As in, like, I put my purse in the front pocket and it has space for a lunch on top of that. And then it has a laptop pocket. And it actually has an iPad pocket that I didn't discover until I'd had it for, like, five days. Uh, So that'll be handy for traveling. (laughs) Technically, its name is the Professional Slim Junior Laptop Backpack. Okay, yeah. Well, it's very professional. Ow! It's very professional and... um, and 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 just the right size like i can't stuff it full of way too much stuff like i was carrying around this ogo backpack that has all of my con stuff in it and i didn't take any of my con stuff out of it so it's huge and also it had like an extra 10 pounds of stuff in it i don't know not 10 pounds but yeah i don't know what else does one say about a backpack that i haven't already said about this backpack i'm really liking it i mean the inside flap has got lots of like little pockets and stuff like that for pens right, and right. other right the 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 front the front yep. zippy flappy pocket because if you look at it from the front there are four zippers there's the one of the front pocket there's the one that's sort of the main compartment there's the one that's the ipad sleeve part and then there's the one behind that is for the laptop yeah, I mean this um this bag is rated on eBags at 91% recommended with 1100 reviews. Yeah, it's like, pretty. Yeah. It is like it's a fucking home run of a bag, right? Yeah, like, it's real good. It it has this lovely thing where it has um it has handles, it has a handle on the top and it has a handle on the side, so when you like swing it off of you, you can just grab the side handle. Yep. And it's sit real it down. good. It's got yep. a it's got a pass through so that you can actually put it over your rolling suitcase. Uh-huh. So you don't actually that's, have to carry it. That's probably going to happen for Metatopia given that everything fits in there. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Nope. Mm-hmm. I um what's called? I'm glad you liked it. Um I had fun picking it out. Yeah, it's great. It's everything that I wanted. From a backpack. Bloop. Um I, my bag also arrived. Yeah, and how is your Tom Bin? The Tom Bin Medium Cafe Satchel is lovely. Um, it is small, right? So it's eight liter. It is not big. Um, and it was specifically to hold a handful of things that I take to and from work every day and did not really need to take a backpack for. Um, so uh, I spent some time working on it, like just figuring out what fit into it and where everything went. Um I liked it a bunch. I put some pictures out on Twitter. Um and actually Tom the company picked up the um the company picked up the tweet, retweeted it. They took the picture link and uh emailed me to make sure it was okay and put it out on Facebook. Nice. So like my bag is like now advertising, like my pa- my like my pack for that. So here's the thing, right? So this is like a higher end bag, right? Like bags like $70 for this like small satchel, right? Like not cheap. Um, but like you can totally tell like when you feel the fabric, when you feel the fabric for the strap and it, like the straps made of like seatbelt material, right? Like it's got that um, smoothness. Yeah, which is nice. Right. And then, um, and I can't even explain the backpack material, but it's, it's like you can just tell like when you pick up this bag, you're like, this bag is really well made. And um, one of the little features I liked was in the paperwork that came with the bag, um, there was an email address that you could email the um, you could email the floor where the bags are made. Okay. Like, so I did. Like I emailed that like I sent them an email. I was like, this is my first Tom Bin bag. I'm like, it's certainly not my last one. Um it's, you know, it's quite lovely, um, you know, all, you know, I just like kind of gushed about it. And then they yeah. answered me back. 
Oh, even better. <laughs> they were like, oh, we shared out your, me- you know, message to everybody on the floor. And, you know, so it was really nice. Like, it's a really it's a nice customer experience, um, along yeah. with like really like a superior bag. So I'm digging it. Um, again, it's small. So it actually when I um, when I need my larger backpack, I can actually just put the satchel in my backpack. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't have to take everything out. Yeah. I just can, like, stick the bag in. Yeah. And if I just leave the um, the cover flap open, when I open up the backpack, I could actually just reach in and get everything out. Yep. So, super easy. Anyway, that's Pandas Talking Bags. Yeah. Um, good stuff. Brought good to you stuff. today by Ebags and Tom Bin. Mm-hmm. Bloop. So now I definitely think I just need to take a larger, um, uh, larger suitcase because... Um, Oh, and see, you said we were done with pandas talking bags. Yeah, yeah. I'm not Liar. talking about buying a bag. I'm just going to, I'm just, no, I just, I have two smaller travel bags, but they're made for like three day excursions. This is not a three day excursion. So it's not. Bloop. In the meantime. <laughs> yes. In the meantime, are you ready to actually um, continue uh, where we left off? Yes. Okay. So we yeah. should get ready to start the show. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you. Uh, nope, nope, that's not how we start the show. <laughs> okay, but but it seemed pertinent. Why? Be- because Ray Oh, I get it now. Wow. <laughs> that, that'll make a lot more sense at the end of the show. When you recut it, that'll make a lot more sense. Right now, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> I know, but you know, and I know. No, I only know now, because I actually had to like think my way through it, so that's actually bad. Like That's bad for... In linear podcasting, that that joke failed. In non-linear podcasting, this whole bit will be really funny. Yes. Bloop. Carrying yeah. on, what were you about to say when I started calling at you? Well, because you're supposed to meow. I know. That's why I called at you instead. Right, but that's, uh, that's awkward. kind of like croak a little bit, don't they? Like, rawr, rawr. I'm not sure what a raven sound <laughs> I is. I don't. I may have to figure that out. I'm going to have to do some homework or something there, kiddo. Yeah. Yep. All right. Ow. I just realized I forgot to take my bracelet off and it was clicking on things. And welcome to another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host and the GM with the most, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. I don't hey, know. You don't what have I'm any rhymey thing, right? Yeah. No, I don't know what don't player know, the player with the, with player the with all the flavor. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the player with all the flavor. Senda. You, you 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 took the easy one. It's not. I really fair. did. I yeah. really did. Sorry. Yeah, and you yeah. didn't warn me. I I literally made it up as we were going. <laughs> Are you an improv GM? My God. At times, at times, indeed, <laughs> I prep the notes, but then yet I improv over them. What? Okay. I'm like a double. I'm a double threat. (laughs) This is all going in the outtakes. Uh huh. (sighs) Do you want to do a fresh one? Yeah, I don't even know. I'll do it. We'll do a fresh one. Where did we? Where did we? Let's just do a fresh one because that thing, that whole thing's a mess. Ready? (laughs) The crew of the ship in Scum and Villainy. Like that's literally the same game, but that that part's um, red. Yeah. Wow. I'm just doing all your parts. (laughs) What the hell, man? (laughs) <laughs> okay. I was on a roll, man. I was on a roll. I know you were. 
I was on a roll. I wasn't even color be damned. I'm going through this thing. I'm like the Kool-Aid man. Hey, hey, Kool-Aid. Do you know who the Kool-Aid man is? Yeah, doesn't he he busts through walls and says, Oh Oh yeah. There we go. <laughs> There's a good uh, Dane Cook bit about that about oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> my dad's gonna kick my ass at this hole in the wall. Yeah. Okay, okay. anyway. So <laughs> 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 this episode is gonna be real lots of fun to edit. This episode is brought to you by the letter G for giggles. <laughs> Tell me about niche. 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 <laughs> I feel like we we've done are this the podcasters that say niche. <laughs> niche. 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 Oh my God. I don't even know the show tonight. Okay. Get it somewhere. <laughs> you gotta stop laughing. I can do my part if you'll stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> what is going, What's going on? We were doing okay. We were kind of dry Yeesh. at the beginning and then we just lost it. Rock. Rock. Oh God, don't do that. That we'll have to throw the whole campaign away. <laughs> no, I like the ravens. Yeah, you can't make the raven sound, otherwise we have to throw the whole campaign away. It's no good. Isn't that bad? That's gonna it's gonna break. It's just gonna break. It's just gonna break the tone of the game. We talked about this. You got to no. cut this shit off. See, do the do no, the no. show me what you. That got is a part. serious raven noise. It is the sound of a raven. I know, but I can't take it seriously. Oh, I can't. I can't take it seriously. Can't take the ravens here. Okay, I'm gonna add them in in post. That will be awesome. Okay. <laughs> that would be awesome. We okay. had we had pandas pandas talk bags. We had we talked about the calculus of my trip clothing. We're good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Say goodbye. Bye. Bye. And the clicky.